Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Get a Life Podcast Kunai. Uh, I am hosting today, surprisingly. Uh, my name is Will, aka Yamstarch. I am joined today, of course, by Bish. Hey, hey guys. Um, how are you guys doing? I don't know what to say because normally I'm the guy hosting, but this time it is Will. So, Will, how are you today? Are you all right? I'm having a few little... Um, throat issues today i got over a bad head cold last week and now it's already starting to kind of turn spring here so my allergies are acting up but you know other than that yeah i'm doing doing pretty good no one asked will no one asked about your allergies okay this isn't the allergy podcast this is an anime podcast. i'm sorry okay? i'm I, so what... i'm looking for sympathy here love me people love okay. me please <laughs> love me love hashtag love will yeah man um so what anime are we talking about today? we are going to be talking about a show that i'm going to probably gush more over yes i know i gush a lot we're going to be talking about gate gate in japanese gate jete kanochi nite kaku tatakere or known as gate thus the jsdf fought there or quite simply gate not to be confused with Steins Gate. Not to be confused with Steins Gate. Yes. Uh, but before we continue, I'm just going to go in straight with a disclaimer. For you new folks, Get Alive Podcast Kunai is a monthly anime discussion podcast under the Get Alive group. Due to the nature of discussion, we can't avoid spoilers of the show to be discussed. For those shows that are based off an existing piece of work, whether it's manga, light novel, or some other media form, we're not going to be covering the source material for those. If you'd like to recommend the show for us to watch and make an episode of Kunai, leave us a suggestion on our Discord. Big thanks to our sponsors. Uh, you can check them out at getlifepodcast.com forward slash sponsors. Will? All right. So Gate is a action adventure fantasy anime that was produced by A1 Pictures. It aired in the uh, summer of 2015 over a course of 24 episodes. It is a little bit more of a, you know, violent series, I guess you could say, but still there's a lot of fun to be had with it. So it's interesting that you mentioned A1 Pictures because if I'm not mistaken, A1 has done quite a lot of stuff in that summer of 2015, right? They, well, I mean, they've done a lot of stuff in general, you know, so they they also did like the, the first couple seasons of like Seven Deadly Sins as an example, or Nanatsu no Taizai. Yeah, they did Erased, Your Lie in April, Persona 4, Golden, the animation, which wasn't a good one. They also do Sword Art. That's right. You know, that's, I think, where a lot of people will kind of know them from. And they also do um, fairy tales. So they are a well-established studio. And they they also were the studio that partnered up with uh, Trigger to um, make uh, Darlene and the Franks not too long ago. Okay, yeah. That's a good point. Also, What's a Koi? Love is Hard for an Otaku. They did that as well. I did not even know that. So that was actually um, pretty cool as well. So we, we need to do What a Koi sometime. Uh, you know what? I think we should do because that would be great. Um, oh, by the way, they did Oremo. Ah, yeah. Well, they, they're kind of all over the place. So, like, uh, I, I actually enjoy A1 uh, a lot. A lot of people, you know, are very hit or miss with them. And I guess I am too. But one thing that I like about them is that they are so big because they're actually backed by Sony, if I recall correctly, that they love bringing in new people a, 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 so they can, like, one hire people kind of on the cheap but two they're actually a studio that gives a lot of people their first jobs in anime too so that's why like there's a huge diversity there it's interesting that you mentioned uh, the fact that they're owned by sony they're actually so it's it's weird because they're owned by anaplex which owns sony that's it it's which is kind of interesting uh, although i was surprised i did not see the anaplex logo come up at 
all when I'm watching it. And if I recall correctly, the like Blu-rays and DVDs for the West are actually produced by Sentai Filmworks, if I recall correctly. So they're kind of all over the place with this one. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty, it's pretty weird. I did forget to mention, by the way, that uh, the source of this anime, Gate, is based on the light novel. So you have the web novel, the light novel, and the manga. The source for the anime is the light novel. Why don't we just jump into things here? So you know me, I'm, you know, I've been trying to push to, to get, you know, a more conversation about the show and be on the podcast here. I want to know, Bish, as someone like, you know, it kind of has some different tastes in anime than I do. What what were your first impressions when you when you first booted the show up? You know, it's very interesting because I've actually got um, the first issue of the light novel. So I knew about Gate way before you've even told me about it. But the thing is that the light novel is still just in on the shelf. I haven't picked it up. Uh, someone gave it to me as a gift many, many years ago because they, they knew I liked anime. So they, they picked up a, a light novel for me and I was like, what the hell is this? I did not even want to read it. So it's still on my shelf. But when I actually went to watch the show, I've got my notes here because, well, you will be happy to know that I was really impressed from like the first moment uh, of the show. So really, that makes me very, very happy. Because like I said, this this show, admittedly, it's, you know, very hit or miss with people. And I get it. I totally understand why. But I love it. And it's a good thing that you love it. But I'll be honest with you. I mean, I'm not really into anime with guns and tanks because it's sort of feels out of place to me because it's like even in a military anime you kind of expect it to be like swords and samurai and and that kind of stuff you never really expect japan to be a country with guns even though i mean guns has always been a part of japanese history when you when you go back hundreds of years but i don't know it's just an anime about the japanese self-defense force seems a bit out of place to me but that's probably because i don't know much about it and also it's you never really hear about japan getting into fights you know it's not like america that's like spends half of its well, actually spends like the majority of its budget on on the military do you see what i mean so to see japan in that situation and to see japanese soldiers with guns and and actually getting into altercations and getting into wars seems very very interesting to me i mean it did feel a bit out of place and i will say this from the get-go look i get the sort of happy-go-lucky feeling at least from the first episode right the sort of dragon quest vibe when the music is playing and the daydreaming from yoji you know, I, I kind of went into this anime completely blind and I didn't know what to expect. You know, I didn't expect otherworldly visitors barging into modern day Japan, you know? It's very interesting when you when you put it like that, that too, and like talking about, you know, the whole military aspect of it and why it is, is so heavy into it. And that's because the actual series creator, uh, Takumi Yanai, he was a former member of the JSDF. So he actually based a lot of, you know, the things presented in these stories on literal first-hand knowledge. I didn't know that, and I mean, it's quite interesting. It's just one thing that kind of put me off initially was seeing the dragons made me just cringe. Like, in the first scene, where you see the dragons enter modern-day Japan where they're flying over Tokyo, it, it made me cringe. I don't know, it just it felt out of place. It's not Harry Potter, right? Like, I will say that it just, it made me cringe a lot. But what kept me going from episode one was uh, otaku protagonist just randomly killing a god just randomly killing a guard. I was so intrigued by that. Initially, I felt that he was a civilian and then I saw him stab a guard and I was like, clearly he has something to do with all of this. No normal civilian would just stab a guard, especially in front of a policeman. Yeah, and I, I love 
too when you're you know you're talking obviously about you know uh yoji that uh he's like like an onion many layers to him and as the series progresses you find out more and more about him and you're discovering this stuff alongside the other characters in the show too and they're like what there's a lot that you learn and i mean even within the first episode it's revealed to us that yoji is an off-duty japanese defense force officer and seeing him react in the show in the first 13 minutes hooked me a lot i mean got me hyped to see the rest of the show sort of as you said about those layers i wanted to peel those layers apart and see what is yoji's core why what is his motivations i was intrigued by the character and i wanted to learn more and that's something that rarely happens for me anymore in anime it usually takes me a few episodes to get in but this anime straight from the get-go i was hooked and that's a very incredible thing that is good good to hear you know and i think you know being able to um you know get behind a character like that from the get-go is is like very important in an anime in general but also thinking about like this compared to the multitude of other anime that you know tend to get popular these days and everything is that you don't have this you know this teenage guy you know what i mean you have this guy he's 34 years old at the start of the show and he's an otaku and like even though that he you find out that he's like highly trained and everything he's not motivated to be the best soldier he's motivated because he just wants to do the best job he can so he can get out of that situation and get back to his otaku lifestyle guess i'll talk a little bit about my own personal first impression so this is something that's a personal thing with me i don't normally like a lot of dark or violent anime it's just not my thing there are a few exceptions like uh with the I, i'm actually pretty hyped about the recent announcement of the new bastard anime coming out uh that was one of the few dark series that i got into when i was younger that i actually did read but yeah i thought that at first when i first like like you saw this like out of place guy like gate with these dragons and these soldiers coming through and these fantasy creatures like just <clears throat> you know murdering civilians as they're running around and the screams and like even showing like kids crying i'm like oh Oh, man I don't know if I'm gonna be into this but then like as it just developed from there and then like Japan like gets pissed and they're like you know what we're gonna take the fight to them then it kind of got me pumped up especially when it showed like you said like the tanks and firing into the guys it's like uh I don't know what I don't know it's from from that moment on I was like all right i'm into this let's see where this ride goes so the opposite in that sense because i i was kind of put off by all of it well you have to understand though too that you know my like my dad was a marine i grew up near near quantico marine base uh you know uh, in america so like i grew up around military you know most of my life um i mean i'm not saying like i'm totally into it but like i'm the guy that watches like world war ii documentaries and like you know especially on like tanks like i love tanks and i'll watch documentaries just on tanks and jets and things like that so so yeah i, w I was into it so kind of like an opposite experience like you said yeah so um did you have something else to say i was just gonna say it's if Kevin was on this episode, I think he would really enjoy it as well because, you know, Kevin is the type of guy that's that's really into, like, tanks and, you know, weaponry and stuff like that. And I don't know, like, I'm into it too to a certain degree, but more so for a historical aspect. I'm not really into, like, the machines and the, and the guns and Second Amendment. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not... 
I'm not into all of that. I'm into it just as it's to me it's kind of an extension as being a guy that's into technology. So it kind of bleeds into that. And it's funny because when I was um, at school a couple days ago, uh, all the all the kids in my school they all have a, a Chromebook to use during studying, you know, at school. And I saw you know a couple of boys who were like huddled together, like looking at one of their Chromebooks. And when I was like, hey, what are y'all doing? And they're like, oh, we're looking at these fighter planes and jets. I was like, oh, I was like, I love them. They were looking at planes that I like, like the F-15 and F-16 and things like that. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. You know, when like kids here, well, not just kids, but even myself, they're, I mean, they're into like even things like like trains, like it's a big train culture here, you know. Uh, so it's like, like I said, I think it's an extension of just kind of being a tech geek. And that kind of leads into, you know, also I'm a car guy too. So that's why it also leads into like, I think the jets and the tanks and things like that too. So did you have any like specific, you know, favorite moments or episodes specifically you wanted to go over? It's very hard to explain like what which ones are my favorite episodes because there are some episodes that I didn't quite like and there are some episodes that I really liked. And the episodes that I liked were the ones where this is going to sound really bad. It's when the you see the defense force just gunning down, just gunning <laughs> down people i know it sounds really bad when i say this but it's when you get that action when you get the combat when you get the strategy of of it all as opposed to the more politics kind of based episodes because towards the end i found that there was a lot of sort of politics and it got to a point where it gave me a headache because i don't, I don't want to hear about the diet i don't want to hear about the japanese system you know what i mean like i'm i'm not interested in politics especially in anime but it's kind of needed but my favorite episodes i would say it was episode 10 where you're getting the Chinese and the Russians and the US and they're sort of homing in on this Japanese inn mm -hmm. when they when they visit Japan. That's a great episode. I love that episode because so you good. get all of it, right? You get the sort of special forces US coming in and they're sort of very tactical and you don't know who's who, right? It's very interesting. And then we got to see that great scene from from Rory where she just just kills everyone. I mean, it's there's something about it. It's just like seeing all the bad guys die and normally in a lot of media we don't see the US portrayed as bad guys. It's usually the Russians, Chinese, and in like World War 2 media it's obviously the Axis powers. So seeing the US as the bad guys sort of flipped it on the head for me. And I thought, wow, that's that's pretty interesting. So when I saw that, that was a great battle scene. I also liked it when the episode sort of before that, when they actually go through the gate for the first time uh, into Japan and seeing their reactions and, you know, R Rory um, buying the, the goth elite outfit in white. And you never see her wear that again. Uh, and then you see the rest of them just reacting to just like shit in Japan. It's it's really interesting the fact that they could buy like little cans of soup <laughs> they, they were like really amazed by that so seeing that sort of episode really got me excited and i know kevin's gonna shit on me for this but it's always for me those those bath episodes those bathhouse episodes are always like the best ones <laughs> it, look i'm not pervert here it's just because of the fact that it sort of breaks between all the action that you're getting before because if there were just so much killing 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 it might get really depressing and then pair that with all the politics it will get really boring but it's nice that they have these comedic scenes sort of sprinkled in it's either you need a bathhouse episode or you need a beach episode we didn't get a beach episode but we got the hot spring so i'm cool with that it's one of my favorite episodes uh, i think i think that you brought up like a really good point there and like as i'm sitting here thinking about just why you know i love this show so much is i think just overall the pacing is really good it's like a roller coaster ride it's got the highs and the lows you know but it also gives you a break it has some dark moments 
balance with a lot of like you know the killing and the violence but then after that it'll have that comedic moment or that relaxing moment you know to kind of give you a break from that so i think overall like i said that's that's another reason why i really got got into it now i will say personally though a little bit opposite to you i actually loved the more slower kind of like espionage-esque type sequences and the Mm -hmm. political aspect of it and you know it's one of the things where i don't necessarily think that any of like russia china or america were meant to be portrayed as quote-unquote bad guys i think it was more or less a uh, varying degrees of shades of gray between all of them because it was even shown with you know within the the japanese government you know how it even like this this story actually takes place over like a couple years basically and how it even showed like leadership changing coming and going even within the japanese government and some of these japanese leaders being all about you know supporting what was going on and then other ones that were only thinking about oh what resources can we get from this how can we use this like japan should become you know the true world power from this and then other guys were like no we should be able to you know help each other and you know help these people and you know develop some type of uh, coexistence with them so like there was a lot of ebb and flow between that one thing if i may did these guys predict that donald trump would be the president of the united states pretty much pretty much it's it's it it kind of freaked me out because he it's not him but it's him you know what i mean yeah he has the same hairstyle and i and i was like okay they made his tie blue and i'm like okay that's this guy's pretty much donald trump but it's it's like i don't know donald trump seems like a clown in comparison to this president i think because you know sometimes they i don't know i find that anime usually gets like they reflect who's in power at the time because you'll see certain anime where depending on the time it was produced they'll have like the fake george bush or the fake obama you know what i mean oh yeah absolutely well and you know not to get on a tangent here and everything but donald trump is kind of looked at as like a caricature here in japan like there's there's lots of like comedy bits and other other media that you can see on tv and you know they love him but they don't love him as being a good person they love him to make fun of him makes sense they weren't making fun of him in this show i mean they they showed the u.s president to be quite tactical he knew what he was doing but i i don't know it felt to me as though they were making the other powers so like the americans the chinese the russians they made them feel like villains like i've never like i said i've never seen the americans feel like bad guys before i think that also comes from you know the author himself and his experiences with with dealing with other militaries and things like that for instance like you know even though like japan is you know this 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 kind of like peace-loving country it's very similar to america in ways where there is a good healthy part of the population that wants to be more like nationalist and isolationist and like they kind of hold a grudge like they've never you know really forgiven you know russia for things that happened you know in the early 1900s and you know russia trying to take japanese territory i mean they still argue over islands that are in the northern part of japan to this day i know this is like a a little bit of a tangent i found that with the show it kind of felt like propaganda for the japanese defense force it just felt like that like it felt like maybe this is like a recruitment tool or the fact that they just want to make them seem the best better than any other military or better than i mean they don't fight wars and i don't know really what the japanese defense force does 
but it felt to me as though they were trying to portray them in such a good light like i found like even after killing all the people they always have an excuse right especially in the diet right when they were trying to explain themselves about the civilian casualties and you know when rory actually went that's another one of my favorite episodes right when rory actually went and said called her a little girl she called like one of the ministers a little girl and i was like oh she's a badass and i'm like how the hell did she not like reveal that she could speak fluent japanese before i don't know but it was just the way that she shut her down was just chef's kiss it was perfect yeah that's that's one of my one of my favorite episodes in the whole series and mostly for that that moment alone but there was some comedy in that part too and like how you were you were kind of saying how it it's portraying you know the jstf as being like the best i agree and i disagreed a bit too also looking into like i said who the creator is and where his he's coming from and everything he actually has a lot of issues basically with the higher ups within japanese government and military and that's kind of even portrayed in the show a bit where like uh you know he they, they even like some of the other soldiers and the lower ranked officers are kind of constantly questioning the the decisions of their higher ups and everything and it's it's a thing where he was trying to portray these units and these more like grunt type people and lower rank officers as being kind of like the heart and soul of the military i also in you know as someone who went to school for communications um i also actually like the bits where he was portraying like the media he had different members of media portrayed in different lights where you know he had like the one kind of newbie like caster girl who you know she kept making mistakes and stuff like that and was just you know listening to the people saying hey get in this shot get this person get this interview and things like that you know whatever the cost then you had the other guy who was basically constantly trying to portray the JSTF in a bad light you know taking pictures of them when they were literally getting ready they were on orders to get ready to go fight and they were all laying there with their parachutes and gear ready to board the plane at the first moment's call but he thought that they were just resting on you know Japan's dime but then you had the other girl that was with him that was like no but she couldn't really you know say or do the right thing because he was like you know her superior so like i said there's there's a lot of nuances in this show that i definitely picked up on now even watching it now for i think the fourth time that i didn't really pay attention to as much i guess the first few times because i was just so just caught up in the moment but as i'm sitting here analyzing the show for the podcast i started picking up on things a lot more like that and any other like specific episodes or moments that, that you want to, to go over i mean over 24 episodes it's like you could potentially talk for hours and hours about this you can yeah you can i mean there were some really interesting episodes that i thought were great like the initial fight with the dragon i like that because you saw a sense of dread but then you saw the team working together and then the rpg fire and stuff like that that was great for me and i really did enjoy that but equally the second fight it was kind of naff i'm not gonna lie to you i didn't quite like it it was quite predictable like i knew straight away what was gonna happen it's that whole sort of power of friendship sort of activation that goes on you know what i mean like a sort of bullshit deus ex machina are you talking about when they were in the the mountain yeah when they were gotcha. in the caves and that that annoyed me because they were just like we knew that 
we were going to see uh, Tuka sort of overcome her death of her father and actually do something, right? But yet she sort of goes back into that and she still refers to him as father, even though it's as a joke. But I'm like, okay, cool. But there was just one point in it where she was like, my father's going to be killed by the dragon. And then right before that, she was saying my father was killed by the dragon and she actually recalled him dying. So I was just like, there's a bit of an, an odd thing that's going on here. Like, I know that she's mentally unstable during this period, but it seemed that it was just done as a plot point, as a plot device, you know, just to kill that dragon. And to be honest with you, killing of the dragon was cool, but I kind of figured it out. Like, I know it sounds really douchey, but it was just like, okay, the swords were there. I was like, okay, most likely what's going to happen is that they're going to use the swords. The swords are going to pierce it and it's going to be like some sort of acupuncture for the dragon. The dragon's not going to be able to move. And then that's when they're going to do their final attack. I didn't expect everyone to die though. That was one thing. I can see like things were definitely telegraphed through certain parts of it but you know um at the same time it's it's it kind of it's one of those things that just naturally kind of happened especially like you said with with tuka you know finally snapping out of her i don't know what you want to call the disorder but she kept like going back and forth with it and like her mind was going in you know four different places at one time so um even though i i see where you're coming from it definitely is one of those things that kind of needed to happen though but there's a lot of things this is the thing there's a lot of things in this anime that are just there for this for the hell of it and it's just there to push the plot forward but you never get an explanation of it at all and i think maybe that might be because you know it might be hidden in in the light novel or might be hidden in the manga but like for example like why does uh, yoji actually help Tuka right the reason being and the reason why he goes along with the whole daddy thing is because he gets a flashback about his mum being crazy uh, like temp like insane whether it's temporary insane or actually fully insane and she was saying oh you he was saying that you murdered my father you murdered my father and I'm like well that took a that took a, uh, a sharp turn and it was never mentioned again and I'm like why include that I guess they they needed to include it for like his motivation why he wants to help Tuka but but at least give us like a glimpse of like his past that led him to where he was you see what i'm saying oh yeah yeah because that seemed that seemed a bit odd to me like why include the fact that his dad's dead and that his mom killed his dad i'm wondering like you if that is kind of touched up more on the light novel <clears throat> excuse me as someone is who is a big fan of gate i have not had a chance to actually read much of the source material I mean, i've read the first three volumes of the manga but not the light novel so i'm gonna have to fix that here soon but you know it there's <clears throat> there's a lot of anime that i think seem to do that like i was saying there's there's a lot of anime that kind of do the same thing when based upon you know comparing it to the source material um, like another good example that I can think of is like I've actually been reading the light novels for uh, Death March to the Parallel World uh, which the anime got you know completely ripped apart which you know I understand but it got me intrigued enough to start reading the books and it's one of those things where there's a lot in that anime that isn't shown because it's all done in the books through like inner monologuing in the main character's thoughts and why he's doing certain things so I'm wondering if it's kind of one of those situations where they're like okay there's things in the books that we can't really animate or talk about well so we'll just have to toss it in as like 
quick flashback or something like that so and i can see that like i said that's why i tell people i'm like is this a perfect anime no but i still think that you know it's still highly enjoyable even with its flaws and i'm not saying that it isn't i'm just saying that there are certain points that within the story just don't make a lot of sense to me like for example when i can't remember it was i can't remember his name but his commanding officer basically that got um stabbed by the uh, one of the bunny girls akira i think his first name's akira so he gets stabbed and she gets shot and you think they're dead and then you, you only find out towards the end that they're you know alive and it happens with a lot of characters that get injured right one of the kings basically like got dismembered you only find out halfway through the anime that he's alive just randomly and he's got like a now he's got like a prosthetic or even the emperor right when we saw the emperor get poisoned i legit thought that the emperor died and he got poisoned and his son was taking over because he was a crown prince and then literally in the last two episodes of the anime oh he's alive and he gives his daughter pina the <laughs> the uh, crown princess and i was just like what is that what is this like why are we finding out towards the end that people that we thought we were that we thought were dead are alive? This didn't make sense to me. I mean, c come on, man. You know as well as I do that there's a lot of plot armor in anime. <laughs> no, but there's too much. There's literally this. There's too much, and I find like it. It seems it's it's not like it's taking the enjoyment out of it. Like I still enjoy the show for what it is, but there's just too much of it. Like genuinely, like I can't handle it. Like there are some things that I will say needed to be there, right? Like, for example, it is brutal, but there were certain points, you know, where people were dying, where people were, you know, like, um, I can't remember who it was, but when they killed Sherry's family, right? We needed to see that. They could have just done it as like a, as like a, you know, a cutscene where, you know, she doesn't know what's going on. And then a messenger comes in and says, oh, well, your family's dead. But they actually showed the fact that they burned down the building, right? And I don't know, you needed to see that. You needed to see the mum and dad sort of tell her a lie and be like, we're, we're on our way. We're going to follow you. Don't worry. You sort of needed to see all of that so that when it sort of hits for Sherry, it hits for you as well. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's, there's certain things that the show gives you in terms of motivation uh, and to, to allow you to understand the other characters motivations and there's one thing I, I will say it's also very brutal but it allowed me to think about characters very differently you know and we'll get onto it in characters but in terms of story yes the show is very well paced like I didn't feel bored anytime in the show other than the political moments I mean that was towards the end where I was just like oh there's too much back and forth in terms of the politics let's just get back into the action I will say this I was sort of you know when they were doing the the flight of the valkyries mm -hmm. earlier on mm -hmm. when they're sort of taking back the italia place where what is it called italica or whatever it's called yeah when they're taking back that and they're doing flight of the valkyries i thought that they were gonna play that oh you know that one that's in like all of the vietnam films you know what i'm talking about right do new do new what's the name of that song is it fortunate son is that the one you're thinking of by credence Clearwater? yeah yes that's the one i let, let me hear it i need to hear it now i know it sounds so stupid but i think that is i think that's it because it wasn't like it was like in all the vietnam films well yeah well, well it's funny because it's actually an anti-vietnam song it's an anti-draft song oh is it yeah that's what's kind of ironic about it and yeah everyone was playing it yeah but I, i'm pretty sure soldiers played it during the vietnam war right because yeah if i'm i'm not mistaken like there's there's been like accounts of like vietnamese soldiers that are like you know get ptsd because when, when they hear that song because 
you know, American soldiers would play it. You know that? I'm not sure. I'll have to ask my dad about that sometimes. He fought in Vietnam. I was expecting that, but then I'm like, well, they're Japanese forces. That's not, it's not like they would start playing that. But as soon as I saw the helicopters, I was just assuming that that's what would play. But yeah, I mean, I personally, I play a lot of Call of Duty and I watch a lot of like Vietnam War films. So I, I was just expecting the song to come on, but it didn't. Yeah, I think it's funny that, you know, we can kind of like that, that whole defense of Italica was over what, like two, two episodes, I think is over the whole course whole thing. And that was actually i think kind of a, a big moment in the show though too because it was at the time where um you know these jsdf people were were coming in and people still didn't trust him they were afraid they were invaders and just trying to take over everything and here you had this city that was actually you know under the the emperor's control and the emperor is the one that initially sent the guys through and attacked japan in the first place but here's the jsdf now defending them from these other opposing enemy forces and bandits and things like that you know trying to help gain gain their trust so i thought that that was like kind of a a big deal because they were they were clearly trying to show it's like hey we're not here to hurt you we're here to you know hopefully try and and, and help you you know help you help me kind of thing and then I, I like I just I love the part with with Shino where like they're just like you know go do your thing and show just how much of a kick-ass soldier she was so and then and then her fighting alongside like with Rory Rory sitting there and like you know she can't take it anymore she's literally like almost ready to like bust a nut basically because <laughs> all the fighting going on around her and they just and like finally she just gets up and goes to get into the middle of it all uh that that entire sequence was just so good and, and to be honest with you i think combat sequences in the show were like the best that i've ever seen in a show because you you notice it as well like when because they're fighting with swords they're fighting with shields but also at the same time they're fighting with guns and you sometimes you get like this first person perspective which i thought was quite a nice touch because i mean i play a lot of first person shooters so it was just like oh okay cool like we're seeing down the sights we're seeing them take the shot and even the sounds that are going on and i know that's sort of part of audiovisual but i have to mention it the sounds are pretty accurate and it makes me think like did they actually get gunshot sounds probably they probably did i don't know i can't say for sure but now that you mentioned that <clears throat> i would imagine so like around the same time i don't remember if it was on the same episode or the episode before but you know what one of the like just those little things that it's one of those like if you don't if you don't catch it you'll miss it and they don't touch on it again but when they first had their little like camp set up you know in the the this this fantasy world and they discovered that they like they were finally able to have like cell service and like access to the internet and they're all sitting there and like in the middle of this serious time and what is you know um what is itami doing he's checking on his web novels to see if he can get caught up on his reading i mean it was it was quite interesting i mean the fact that they're bringing all that technology over and introducing it but at the same time it's still quite like they're bringing technology but they're not providing them the technology if that makes sense yeah like they okay you could buy stuff from the general store and it's like you know those little um clippers that you get for gundam kits yep and i'm like why do you need those hobby clippers if you're not selling gundams like what is going on because like they're still useful in in lots of other you know kind of crafts and so that's one of the things that i actually really like like it's it's um it's really weird i love when they have any kind of like world building and like slower times in an anime like this like for instance like one of my you know current favorite series is tensura reincarnated as a slime and like they did that the the spin-off season the, the the diary one where it was basically just them all doing the town building stuff 
I could just watch that forever. And like, I, I loved how in, in Gate, how they set up that shop. And it's like you said, they're, they're not giving them this technology, but they're sharing ideas with them. They're sharing some of these tools and basic devices with them. Uh, they're even sharing like books with them. Like I love how, you know, like you talked about the episode where they go to Japan and, you know, Lele, like she's just completely enamored with the bookstores and libraries there. All she wants to do is read, read, read and study. Um, so things like that, it's like they're not saying here, take this, go do what you can with it. They're letting them kind of develop their own ways while using a little bit more modern like tools in settings mm -hmm. and it's interesting because it's like logically speaking they're not going to give them guns because they they even mention it in the show because as soon as they show it off to like the bureaucrats and stuff they're like yes let us buy these guns and they're like no we can't we're not gonna do that because logically speaking it's like giving a caveman guns right because eventually they're gonna learn how to use it and then that could backfire on them do you see what i'm saying so it's like they're very tactical in what they give them and how they present it to them and they don't really show everything like they don't explain explain what a helicopter is you know like Pina is still thinking that they're like what what would she describe pegasus iron pegasus and she referred to tanks as iron elephants like she didn't know what they were and they classified them as they classified them as monsters and they didn't explain that to them and i thought that was quite interesting the fact that they didn't explain any of it to them because most likely they didn't want them learning about this technology in case they become too advanced and try and overthrow them i think it kind of also relates back to this whole kind of <clears throat> I guess you call it maybe a, a subplot or a sub thought that you know the the author tried to portray is that like this this thing where you've got all these these people you know higher ups and in, in both sides of this both in you know the fantasy world and in our world that are kind of trying to control everything and think about what it can do for them how it can bring them more power and things like that and then you've got people like Itami and these little you know boots on the ground people that are like we just want to find a way to protect everybody survive we want want to find a way just to keep all of the people safe they're not worried about power and control in any way they want to find a way that everyone can just work together plain and simple now that i've kind of touched on some of the this kind of like behind the the, the scenes kind of stuff what what you know did you have any kind of ideas of what you think the kind of like background of the show is the theming of it things like that things it was trying to portray i sort of gave my feelings on it i mean like for me initially like i said i felt that it was very pro japanese not necessarily pro japanese government but pro japanese defense force yeah ab absolutely like, they could do no wrong in this show like literally like they've they would mass murder a lot of people and they're like no it's cool it's cool guys don't worry about it don't worry about you forgetting your orders or disobeying like if you disobeyed an order or if you went against your order you would be classed as AWOL right and you'd have to get like a military summons and then you go to like jail or something in, in the US or in, in most countries even in the UK but clearly Yoji went AWOL <laughs> to go off this on this other mission on the personal mission and he was you know praised for it because because, you know, he saved someone, great. He slayed the dragon. Do you, you, you see what I'm saying? He didn't really get a punishment. And it's like, anything that Yoji does, it's cool. Don't worry about it. He can do no wrong. And it's, it's just a theme in general with the Japanese Defense Force. And the journalists... I know, you know, I know Nori, I think Nor her name is Noriko, the girl that was kidnapped 
Noriko comes back with the journalist towards the end and it's quite interesting because she's saying to the journalist why is it that only the Japanese media have this negative view of the Japanese defense force and it feels to me as though that that was the author's way of saying that hey look Japanese defense force isn't always good and these are the reasons why and the funny thing is I liked the fact that they got that random journalist in because it was just like it shows another side of it right even though you don't see it in the anime he talks about them being lazy he talks about where is our money being spent you know because obviously they don't go to war they don't actually fight so like why are we spending money on a defense force stuff like that like stuff probably the Japanese people might be thinking about in real life you know probably if you're watching the show and you're in Japan and you are a Japanese citizen you're probably seeing that conversation with the journalist and you might be thinking yeah why do we need a Japanese defense force do you see what I'm saying so I'm glad that they included the journalist in there and that was a good thing that goes back to how I was how I was saying you know, you know the, the the author of this series like I said he's you know creating a lot of these stories from his own experiences and it's true I mean like I would have liked to have seen more but it was quite interesting that we saw that I mean there's so many other aspects of in terms of themes that we've seen right we've seen Yoji and his otaku life his his ex-wife as well we saw a glimpse into that sort of otaku uh, lifestyle we saw a glimpse into you know the the classic sort of cliche of the doujin uh, writer an author we saw that so i feel as though the show has multiple themes and it tries to amalgamates it together and i think the main theme is japanese culture introducing japanese culture to foreigners right if that makes sense because this country doesn't speak well the the land beyond the gate they don't speak japanese they have their own language and they're sort of in trying to integrate japanese society and japanese values into the society that i just didn't catch and i feel ashamed for not catching that that is an awesome analogy yeah it to me it felt like that but at the same time it felt as though they were forcing it and on a certain level it feels as though like you kind of see it and this is this might be a very high level observation or it might just be complete bullshit on my end but you see it with a lot of countries that japan has sort of invaded in the past Uh, whether we're talking about taiwan whether we're talking about you know korea there is a lot of japanese influence right there is a buildings right there's there's a lot of japanese history the people a lot of them have learned japanese right maybe not the newer generations but you know generations before them would have learned japanese as a second language and things like that so for me it seems as though this anime in itself has sort of reflected it's like it's being reflected on japanese war history japanese military history right because when i look at how they deal with things in gate it's like on on some level it feels as though both sides are a representation of Japan's military, right? You look at this sort of archaic land that's sort of barbaric in a way, and then you look at the modern side. So I think they both represent Japan, which I think is quite interesting because if you look at Japan, this is another thing, I know it sounds very political and it's not really the place on Kunai, but if you look at Japan, the war atrocities that they commit, right? They pillaged, they raped, they, you know, killed a lot of people with no quarter. And we see that with certain characters. We see that with with Zorzal, oh, right? Yeah. He sort of embodies old school Japan. You know what I mean? Like a feudal system Japan, you yes. know, where, you know, there was there was no sense of law. It was like the fact that the emperor is, is like the guy that does everything. And it, it kind of reminded me of that. The fact that he actually went in and had sex slaves. Like that's kind of fucked up. But, you know, Japan did 
that. You're absolutely right too. If you go back and you look at, you know, true feudal era Japan with all the, you know, samurai, daimyo, you know, the various emperors, it's exactly what's kind of portrayed in this world. You just don't get to see many of the other factions in this world, but that's one of the things that, no. that they're, they talk about when like they're having their meetings with the emperor and they're having their, all their, you know, their lords and dukes and all that stuff. And they're having their assemblies. One of the things they're talking about, it's like, well, if we do this, does this make us stronger against this faction or weaker against this faction? So it's brought up. They just don't really go into the other factions very much. But e even then, it's like looking at, you know, Zorzal and his army and, and the way he treats people. It's mentioned in the beginning, right, where Yorji goes up to Pina and, and mentions the idea of humane, right? They didn't know what humane was. And it sort of reminds me of like, you know, Pina and her family and her armies and stuff. The fact that they didn't understand what humane was, right? And or what acting humanely was, right? And it sort of reminds me of how Japan was before World War II or even during World War II, right? During World War II and pre-World War II where, you know, they would commit war atrocities and experiment on humans and, and you know, rape and, and all of this horrible stuff that wasn't humane. And this is where I say that, you know, this anime is sort of propaganda for the Japanese Defense Force and that this is the new Japan, if that makes sense, while sort of still referring to their atrocities and sort of trying to play it off as an apology, if that makes sense, through the anime. Like, it feels as though that's the case. Like, I feel the author is trying to make a point there. I kind of understand that. I kind of see that. I don't think it's quite that that simplified but i do understand where you're coming from with that but you know and i will say that was you know i remember when the show was air airing and even people that have you know been watching it since then and like reviewing it it's been one of their kind of knocks on the show about it being very pro jsdf and, and pro japan but I, I i tell people also think of it from an aspect of like where you're from especially if you're an, an american how much american media has done the same thing with american military especially in like the 1980s and 1990s all the movies and television shows that came out back then it was it's kind of that that same regard i mean of course if you're in that that kind of life and you're you know you're in that place you, you want to think positively of it and you know and, and it's one of those things too again not trying to get political with things here but that's one of the reasons why a lot of people in japan do kind of feel that kind of apologetic nature now because of things that japan did in the past so i mean again another good analogy on your part you know kind of tying those two together so like i said I, th I don't think it's quite that cut and dry but i definitely see the influences of the, the theming of the overall series there just like you do all right so i think we've kind of touched on like the overarching you know theme and kind of plot of the show at a pretty well point we've talked a little bit about characters but i think it's a good time now for us to kind of like do more of a dive into the characters themselves because there's so many in this show you know outside the the main cast even the supporting cast kind of like adds a lot to this series as, as, as far as i'm concerned so what, what kind of like you know characters and in and moments would you kind of like to touch on of course you know obviously you've got the main cast with like otami and rory and Lele and Tuka and all them but what do you want to talk about with them usually I'll say oh you know what I related to this character or I relate to this character I did not relate to a single character in this show did not relate to a single one and I think that's a good thing because there's nothing for me to relate to them with you know what I mean maybe Yoji the fact that he is an otaku but there are times in which Yoji is pretty like straight cut like he does not take no for an answer he'll just go and do something uh, he will disobey orders. You know, I guess it's, it's because of the power of friendship and he wants to help his friends out. I get that. I'm not saying that I wouldn't do that for my own friends, but it seems to be the case that he's this sort of 
perfect friend character and i'm not really into that you know the other characters are quite interesting i mean yoji's not like one of the main characters for me in my opinion he's just there you know he's an mc but he's not really the star of the show i would say in terms of who is the star of the show and the person that we get the most sort of screen time for is rory in my opinion and i don't know if you what you think about rory but rory gets i think like the most lines the most character development in my opinion because you know we we see rory initially sort of coming in uh, i sort of felt that she was like shaltier from overlord initially that's the sort of vibe that i got and it might be because of the sort or sort of gothic lolita look and and the scythe and, and things like that as i'm sitting here with my like 20 inch kodobuki uh Rory uh, Mercury figure sitting just to the right of me. See, so I can I can guess who is your favorite character, Will. Um, but um, it's it's quite interesting to see how she is, right? Because she's what well, she's a demi goddess that's also like a priestess for for the god Emroy. It's interesting because everyone sort of like not worships her, but they have a a large amount of respect for her, right? Because she's basically a servant of the god of war. So she is quite up there in status so she even the fact that she's there on the team gives the japanese defense force a level of status that they wouldn't you know got any other way if that makes sense there is some certain things that i kind of find a bit awkward with her character i understand you know that she has a sort of obsession for blood and she has like a bloodlust i think that would be the the perfect way of putting it but you know there's certain things that i find a bit odd right the fact that she's always constantly trying to come on to to yoji i thought it was a bit weird like what like why like it it feel it felt a bit forced to me because it was like what is the reason for her to you know i don't know like to tease him like that or to try and like seduce him i never understood that because logically speaking if you're like a demigod right why would you want to fall in love with a human why would you want to have a relationship with a human if you're like 900 years old right because eventually they'll die see i i think it's because of the fact that he he was so different than things that she's used to like you said she was so highly you know revered and respected that you know all the other people in the world men women children basically would like you know praise her and pray to her and they only saw her as like an object and like from the get-go you know itami was even questioning her like who she is and like she could tell that you know he was being more held back with her which she wasn't used to that and then she actually finally you know she got to actually see how he was as a person how he acted how he treated people so i think it was still you know kind of a, a natural progression of her finding you know some kind of affection towards him she was always used to being the protector and the warrior she wasn't used to being protected by somebody else so would you say that there's a level of vulnerability yes that's, that's pretty good okay okay so like in terms of other characters tuka as well like i also felt that tuka was sort of not necessarily coming on to to yoji but she sort of had a crush on yoji and i think also the whole thing with the dad her seeing him as the dad okay i could see that initially and i can understand why he sort of plays on that because he doesn't want to hurt her and that's something with yoji he doesn't want to hurt any character right he'll go with whatever the character says because he doesn't want them to be hurt which is quite interesting 
Yeah, it's it's kind of like the whole the whole thing with you know uh, him and his ex-wife and why they even you know got divorced because he realized that you know his his life wasn't good for her and like he still even you know cares for her but you know realized they were better as friends than they were as husband and wife mm. and, and the funny thing is the fact that they even got married because when the wife mentions it she was like well we got married we knew each other and you know it was stable it was stability it, it was exactly it was stability and he didn't want her to sort of live that life where you know she can't pay rent she can't pay electricity and and all that kind of stuff and he's still paying for that because it's mentioned oh i'll pay you back when i sell my first dojin like okay so he's still the breadwinner of that family without being part of the family i think it's just because your jesus he wants to please everyone right like even going out and fighting the dragon he didn't want to do it initially until he realized oh it's going to help uh tuka so for him you know that's something that he he really is about and i i like that as i like that aspect of his character but i find as though it causes more problems than you know it solves because it puts him into these shit situations and obviously he gets out of them because you know he's the main character and that's sort of main character syndrome I kind of find it interesting that uh, I can't remember her name now. What's what's the character's name? What did she There's do? There's so many characters in the show. Yeah, it's a huge cast, which is not a good thing. But I'll get that into a bit. Shino. What I find funny is that Shino's reactions, and I know she's a side character, but she's she's just fucking badass, right? Every time she's in combat, I'm like, fuck yes, mm-hmm, you know it's gonna mm-hmm. be a good battle. But not just that. The way she reacts to Yoji's ranks and his his military achievements, it's fucking hilarious. Like she freaks out. She's like, he was part of like. Basically, from what I understand, like special forces is like yep. the Marines, right? Yep. Like, he's a Japanese like, Ranger. Yeah, like 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 you know the Green Berets. Like he's like w- the top of the top, right? The the creme de la creme. And I'm like, you wouldn't expect it, but the way she reacts to it, and she just freaks out. And she's like, how the hell is he? Like he's the laziest fuck I've seen, and yet he's all of these accolades that he has. I I saw I kind of appreciated that sort of dichotomy, you know, where she's that badass character, but at the same time, you know, she's she's quite good comic relief and it doesn't take away from her badassness mm-hmm. if that makes sense no absolutely she's she's one of my favorites in the series i'll say this from now she is one of my favorites as well but other characters as well i mean if i want to go into you know pina colada i i, I do want to mention this i've noticed that there's a lot of characters in this show that are named after alcoholic drinks <laughs> you know you've got pina colada you've got uh sherry there was another one shandy which i don't know if you guys know this but shandy is basically lemonade and beer that's a shandy or beer and soda that is a shandy and then i don't know if you've noticed this one beef eater oh my god dude that name every time Did, do you do you get the reference to beef eater? I actually is this a British thing? It is. It's a British gin. Nice. Be- beef eater gin. I think that was a reference for that. So I was like thinking, what is the reason behind this? Is this the author's favorite drinks? Or and this is what I felt initially. I was like, okay, they all have like drinks as their names. Is it the case that humans made their way through the gate beforehand? I'm almost positive that they they've touched they touched on that, that they, before. They, they did yeah. touch upon that 
they touched upon it towards the end when they were in that sort of university town. I thought about this from the very beginning. I was like, oh, did humans enter? And then I was like, yes, they did. But I don't know. I think it might be a bit of a stretch that humans entered and then they brought like these sort of, you know, influences and that's why their kids are named after these things. You know what I mean? I think it might just be the author's favorite drinks. I think that's probably what it is. It's kind of like, you know, like in Dragon Ball, you know, you have like Bulma briefs and yeah. you have trunks. Bulma so briefs, the, bra. <laughs> well, it's the same thing. I was gonna I was gonna mention that earlier. It's kinda like the same thing with, with Dragon Ball. You know, you've got Raditz, Radish, Vegeta, vegetables, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's exactly like or Gohan, which is literally Rice. Gohan. You know what I mean? So it, it's quite funny. Like, like so that's that's the point. So like it or, or like Piccolo, like pickles. But you, you see what I'm saying? So it's like I don't know if it's a meme that the author put in there or if it actually has something to do with the story. And that's not something that we'll ever know. Although they did mention it in the story that humans and other species did pass through the gates. I will have to try to find out more more about this later. We'll talk about it in private sometime. I'll have to try to do some research. <laughs> but other than that, I mean, like, Pina Colada, she's quite an interesting character. And we see her grow throughout the anime. You know, she's this sort of, oh, I don't know. I, I keep on saying this to Kevin, but I don't know if the analogy works. But, you know, like a Tootsie, Tootsie Pop. Is that what they call them? You know, like hard on the outside and then sort of soft on the inside or like sweet. Was it like chocolate on the, I don't know what a Tootsie, we don't have them in the UK, so I don't know what they are, but <laughs> I hear, I hear that analogy a lot. So it like, she kind of like, she has a sort of hard outer shell. And then when you get to know her, you know, she's a sweet character. She is, she really is. And, and she actually cares about others. You know, she cares about her squadron. She cares about her brothers. It's the whole reason she even, even forms the Rose Knights. Exactly. Because she cares about them. And I think it's it's fantastic, and and you you see a lot of her her backstory because they go back in the past, and you know everyone sort of treats her squadron. Oh, they're just the girls, and you you know what I mean? Like they're not they're not treated as a proper squadron, and then they actually get their opportunity to and they prove that they're show themselves up. exactly, and that's great because we need to see that in more shows. But it's it's a good thing, and I think her portrayal in the show was great. And the best thing is as well, like we see so many different layers of this character. We see her when she's this badass we see her when she's younger and she's learning to be this badass we see her learn about strategy and war and you know why we need to be friends with the japanese because they will destroy us and we also see her in points of vulnerability right where she's begging her brother to stay as opposed to to go with her second brother and when she's basically thrown into the dungeon you know we see that and the fact that she's pounding on the door to the point where her knuckles are bleeding do you see what I'm saying? So you see all these different levels of the character and even the character them herself when she's talking about what are they going to do? You know, they're going to pillage our city. They're going to, you know, they're, they're going to kill us basically. And, and you see the fear. So you you understand what motivates her. And I, I like the show and especially in the way it portrays its characters because the show gives you a glimpse. Yes, there is a large volume of characters, but it gives you a glimpse on their backstory. It gives you a glimpse on their motivation. And, and that sort of leads me into, I can't pronounce her name and my apologies but her name is Tule or, Th or I'm pretty sure it's it's Tule I'm pretty okay, sure Tule okay well I'll pronounce it as that she's basically Zoro's sex slave and mm -hmm. we see a, an actual rape scene I didn't think that we'd see this in an anime because Goblin, Goblin Slayer, Slayer yeah and I, but I will say not not to derail that whole thing while yes it is a rape scene it's almost like more or less a role play scene she's role playing that because she knows that it, it gets off Zorzel and you know she's trying to control him so it is but it isn't it's pseudo but the thing is you only find out that she's trying to control him 
afterwards so we don't know you know we're just assuming that's this it's it's a rape scene because we don't know the situation until after the fact right so when i see that scene it made me feel very uncomfortable oh absolutely i i it was hard As to it watch should. it was designed it's exactly it's designed to make you feel uncomfortable and it is hard to watch so when i saw that scene and the way that the scene is in the show it was quite odd because you know in goblin slayer you see scenes like that and it's brutal but it goes over quickly right do you see what i'm saying like it's sort of almost implied that there is that sort of stuff going on but in this you you see the silhouette and you hear the screams and this is why i fucking hate zoral as a character because he's a fucking shit human being i fucking hate him and you're supposed to and you're supposed to yeah but i mean that shows like how good the writing is but my point being is that you understand her motivation right even though it's not fully revealed to you until towards like halfway through the anime because you see the glimpse of her in the beginning you know when she's getting raped and you sort of understand the motivation it sort of plants the seeds in your mind that you know zoral is not who he says he is he is a shitty character and a shitty person so is Zola. i'm sorry my apologies i'm just giving you a hard uh, time Zorzal. but yeah you you see zorzal being a shitty human being you see him it sort of planted the seeds in your mind that this character is you're not supposed to like him and if you do you are just the worst person and it's disgusting because it's like i didn't even know that he had multiple sex slaves and it's revealed that he does right and it's like okay i don't know how to explain it like so with tule i understand her motivation right even if they didn't show us the battle that occurred because they they do show you the, the battle that occurred with the warrior bunnies even if they didn't show us that the fact that you know we saw the that brutal rape scene made me understand her her motivation i understand why she she sort of wanted to see the downfall of him when she saw it at the end she started to cry and i'm not sure is if that's because she regretted what she did and maybe that isn't the case i think it might be tears of joy that she sort of finally accomplished her goal you know and that moment actually made me cry because i was like you know what she destroyed him she succeeded and i as a character i never sort of doubted her actions i didn't really necessarily think oh she's a bitch for what she's doing she was justified and i thought it was it was great how she was sort of pulling the strings in the background because they mentioned before with Zorzo that oh you know even if my dad retired you know I'll just be the crown I'll be the king and then my um, I'll be the emperor and my dad will be sort of puppeteering in the background that's what he was going to expect that was happening but in reality what was happening was that he was being puppeteered by Hule Mm -hmm. right so it's very interesting how she done it and i will say this this show sort of takes this idea of playing 4d chess right no you're absolutely sense. right that's like, like i was bringing it up earlier when we were talking about about the themes how it, it it kept showing you know on both sides how there was multiple people involved with everything and there's like you know layers upon layers of people controlling each other another thing that i will mention is that even in her character design like you can tell that i don't like mentioning this but I will anyway, but it's it's interesting in her character design that you could tell, especially with the bunny ears. I don't know if you've noticed this, every other bunny character has their ears up mm -hmm. and hers are flopping down. Mm -hmm. And it's because of what occurred to her. And I think the show sort of... She, she's, she's a broken character. You know, the show sort of hammers the point down to sort of make you understand how, you know, shit Zorzal is as a human being, but also the motivation for uh, Thule. So moving on from this, 
there. I want to talk about Zorzal, if I may. Uh, I will say this. If you like Zorzal, you are the worst human being. Stop watching this podcast. I don't want you listening to this podcast anymore. Um, Zorzal is the worst character I've seen in any anime. I don't know. Like, he's worse than the goblins in Goblin Slayer. I don't know how that's possible. You know what? He's the same as the goblins in Goblin Slayer, maybe. But he's... he's he, You just want to hate him, right? You know, he's, he's taken Japanese prisoners, rapes them. You know, he makes himself the new emperor attempts to to wage war on japan a country that has guns and and like uav drones and, and like everything and he's reckless that's another thing he's just like he enjoys and the thing is he enjoys this you also have to kind of go back to how you were just talking about tule that she was also one kind of like keeping those whispers going on and she had her little espionage sect like planting ideas and information all around the place because she was trying to get the the empire wiped out that was her her ultimate goal for revenge she wanted them wiped out she's kind of like I, I hate to really i really do hate using this analogy but she's kind of like how like the joker was the heath ledger version where it's like that 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 line about just wants to watch the world burn that's how she is she had the motivation oh like, yeah i don't know i don't understand zorzel's motivation for anything he's because, just a dick I mean, every character has... it's just all it yeah, he's but, just but, a dick but, but why so th this goes back to how we were talking about the you know how i said you brought up a good analogy about it you know being like a, a the, the dichotomy of old japan versus new japan and it's like that that whole thing where he you know he is this high-born person that you know he literally looks down his at his you know nose at those but below him he believes he's superior he truly it really believes that he is superior and that he should be able to do whatever he wants however he wants to do it that's the, the you know the, the most blunt way i can put it and you know what oh i i hate saying this but in a way he kind of reminds me of I, I fucking hate saying this he reminds me of hideyoshi toyotomi i don't like saying this but because i know a lot of people in japan for some reason love hideyoshi but hideyoshi was fucking horrible he was he was like re he like he committed a lot of genocide you know he wanted to he like invaded Korea like a lot of times and it was it's messed up but he reminds me of that and it's a good thing that you mentioned it like but I I want to understand why he's a dick because even his dad and this is something I don't like about their dad right I don't like the emperor because he's he's all about oh you know what I'm gonna give you the crown I'm gonna make you the crown princess that's what he says to Pina but Pina Pina wasn't respected from the beginning, right? Only towards the end when Pina is crowned the victor. I'm like, bitch, you're only doing it so you can fucking live. Do you know what I mean? Like anyone else, you would have been executed because you were just a dickhead and you let your son do this dickhead move. It still comes from that old school kind of, you know, you know, feudal lifestyle, you know, mentality that they're in because, you know, she's like technically like the 10th in line, for, you know, to even, you know, have a chance at getting the crown. So there was all these other, you know, uh, children of concubines that were even ahead of her so that's why the emperor is you know like that towards her why make that sudden change towards the end and and just say to her oh you know what if you want to seek peace go and seek it or if you want to divide the country do that and i'm like dude fuck off you didn't even control your country to begin with you wanted to go into a war with japan you are basically like your son and that and that's where i can see your son getting all of this bullshit that's you do you see what i'm saying like that's no i get I it feel. i totally get it but other than that, I mean, the other characters are quite interesting. I think, oh, Lele. 
Oh, I love her. She's a very cool character. And what I like about her is that she's very intelligent. You know, she's there. She wants to learn. Uh, she's like one of the first people to learn Japanese. And she's she takes on the role of the diplomat, yeah, and which is it's quite, it's quite cool because she's the representative of the land behind the gate, right? Even though she's literally just a commoner, you know, that's learning magic. She doesn't really have the reason. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, there's no reason for her to be like that other than her thirst for knowledge because she went out there and she learned you know she learned the japanese and then she basically became the uh, interpreter which was pretty cool it's just that she has that insatiable thirst for knowledge period and you know she's actually a genius uh, and not only that but you know they, they don't i mean like you said my my limited knowledge from you know just reading about you know the show online and basic synopsis and things like that she actually is the most powerful mage in their world she doesn't start off like that but you know she gets there and you still see glimpses of that you know through the series you see her becoming more powerful one last thing i want to mention about characters is about yao ha the um, dark elf oh yeah for me i feel that they just included her just for that arc with the dragon and then she doesn't contribute anything else to the team and i'm like okay cool you know what i i don't understand like why she's been put there like if that makes sense like I don't know how to explain it, but she seems like she's just been bolted on. And they just keep her because they can't get rid of her in the show. Like, part of me thinks that, you know, they they only kept her because they couldn't necessarily kill her off. Because it would just be a shame if that makes sense because she's a great character but she doesn't get that much character development after the after the whole dragon arc if that makes sense one of the reasons why i really want to read read the books too also like kind of touching back more on, on pina colada apparently she's like an even stronger character in the books too uh, so it's like apparently things do still develop with uh uh how do you say yeah 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 i think is how you say your name like it's one of those things where like where the uh, the other girls especially you know rory and lele that they actually end up like falling in love with uh yoji whereas she 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 does like him but it's she grows to respect him and she wants to like be by their side to to just you know help keep fighting in this world and things like that it's 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 more it's much more cut and dry with her so that's why i think it kind of went that way in the anime too yeah i mean i get that i don't know i just feel as though she didn't get that much character development and it might be because for a number of reasons and for me i will say this that no looking at her character more it seems to be the case that the show kind of went with this weird cliche where every character had a counterpart if that makes sense so mm -hmm. that there was a counterfoil for every character so with rory you had giselle you know that other demigod uh with lele you had lele's sister and with tuka you had yauha so it's like each character has pretty much someone of the same species that is like their counterfoil or their you know the opposite of themselves right uh, and then you get that little bit of arc with them as well which is interesting but it's kind of cliche uh, to be honest with you but other than that i mean the other characters were great i really wanted to see more of the japanese defense force characters you know like i'm trying to remember because we saw a bit of akira he was great but he's just like the guy that's like you know coming up with excuses what did you sense. what did you think about uh mari i liked mari because she got a little bit of character development you know you saw her you know when she disagreed with yoji mm -hmm. and she walked away and you, you know she has a strong sense of moral yeah right and i liked how she wasn't afraid to ever speak her mind and exactly and i also liked how yoji didn't reprimand her for that 
he let her speak her mind and he let her go away in anger and i like that and i also like the fact that even when you know when you had the the prostitutes coming into the the clinic and you know she was like giving them like um i think it was like birth control and, and stuff like that and, and like medication for like stds and stuff what i liked was she wasn't judging them at all she understood why they do these things right because she noticed i forgot what was her name her name was <laughs> oh misery sorry even with misery you know she's smoking the pipe and it's basically a crack pipe like that's let's be real it's like she's smoking some hallucinogenics but she's doing it to numb the pain right she's doing it to you know otherwise she wouldn't be able to handle what she's doing do you know what i mean which you know even for mari she understood and she she recognized it and she was like oh you need that right you need that that pipe like she doesn't reprimand her she doesn't judge her she understands where she's coming from and she looks to find solutions for her right which i really liked and even you know that point where they're knocking on the door she gets her pistol ready and she just brings them in she brings them in all at once and you know it, it's it's stuff like that she's genuinely a caring character she's just a, like a good her. person yep, yep. yeah 100 percent like I said, you know, I, I know I keep saying it, but I, I really got to get into reading these books because I love this anime so much. I want to know more about these characters. And and that's what I would say, right? I think it's it's a testament to the anime, like the fact that we want to read these books after watching the anime. But at the same time, it dis it's disappointing because we're not getting as much as we wanted from the anime, you know? And it, it seems weird because normally in a 24 episode anime, you get a lot of information, you get a lot of um, stuff that goes on but i feel that i want more and it's not in a good way it's because of the fact that we're not getting as much information and i think it's down to the fact that we have too many characters in this show yeah there's just there's a lot <laughs> there's a lot and we don't need them and sometimes we'll see like two characters and they introduce and this is the thing why does the anime do this like they'll introduce the character with their nameplate and the character will die by the end of the episode i'm like i don't need if the character's gonna die don't introduce them because when you introduce them you think that they are a main character or one of the main side characters why introduce them if you're gonna kill them off and i think it's probably because in the books they probably have a lot more character development for these side characters it's something that i notice in general when i if when i read like a light novel or a manga you know after i've already you know watched an anime or vice versa i should say too that there's a lot of times when there are characters that will be around for like an entire volume of a book but then that entire volume of a book becomes one episode in the anime so it's a lot between going between hours worth of reading to 20-25 minutes of an episode which is it's a bit upsetting because it's like we want to know more about these characters you know i want to know more about akira i want to know more about you know takeo or you know the, the guy that's into the nekomimi right the the cat girls was gonna you know lead into that i wanted to know what you thought about T takeo because he was one of my favorite side characters you know he's not around a whole he lot he is i mean you only see him for like you see him initially a lot in the first five episodes and then towards the end you're like what happened to this guy like i've never seen like if i recall correctly after uh zorzel's uh you know infiltration back into japan i think he stays back in japan after that is why i think he's like assigned to their forces because if you remember he was always the guy 
that was driving around with Atami. And then and then after that, Atami's the one driving. But he comes back at the end. At the very end, yes. At the very end, yeah. yeah. So it's like, I would have liked to see more of him. Like, it's there's something about it. Like, to be honest with you. I think he's just a good pairing off of Itami because they're both, you know, otaku. And like, it also, like, every time something good happens with Itami, he's just completely jealous of him. And like, he's kind of like, he's kind of like me. Like, if I was in his world and how, like, when he meets, like, uh, Persia, you know, the, the, the cat girl that's, like, helping to heal Yoji after he got his ass beat. And he's just, like, instantly in love with her. You know, it, it's stuff like that. He's, just, he's basically an otaku. I mean, like, yeah. there's not much more to say. Um, one last thing that I really want to mention is, you know, and a character that I think is really well developed is Sherry, you know, the 12 year old girl. Very touchy subject here, but she's a great character. She is a fantastic character. And I think it's because the fact that, you know, you see her initially at the what, at the party for the ambassadors and she's very childlike, you know, mm -hmm. like she goes she goes to um, Sugawara and she's hugging him and she's like she has a little, a little crush on him right. right you think she's just this simple little love struck you know preteen girl you know initially she has a political reason for doing it right and I thought that was interesting I'm like okay she's doing it because she wants it to I don't know how to explain it I can't like she wanted to create this sort of rivalry if that makes sense between families she wants to impress you know by getting a gift from a Japanese ambassador she wants to sort of show to her family that the Japanese aren't to be afraid of you know what I mean not just that but it also goes back to you know even the, the, the fact she's one of those characters a lot like Lele where she's wise beyond her years but she is still a kid and like she's talking about how these other girls from these other families who aren't maybe her friends but you know she's like in that circle with them how they are getting all these different you know gifts and treasures and she just wants something simple to like you know kind of feel a part of that but also maybe one up them the fact that she was asking for a pearl necklace because for for those that don't know um japanese pearls are like the best in the world like there's something about them i don't know why but they're like really expensive they're like really top quality and part of me was thinking how the hell does she know about japanese pearls like how the, like well it's because you know at this time that you know like i said uh, there's probably been maybe like a year or so elapsed in this time of the, of the series and um she and, and she's part of you know the this overall royalty i guess you could say in the world which they've had daily communications back and forth with you know the japanese people so that's why they kind of have first-hand knowledge whereas like a commoner might not yeah and you know even it's quite interesting because even even with her character right she's very i don't know how to explain it like political and she knows how to plan things because she used those pearls as a bargaining chip right she because it was like the only thing she she took with her when her when her sort of family died and sort of burned down and stuff so she used those pearls she broke them apart and she was using them in exchange for food yeah and and I, I I was worried because when that scene came and this is I was literally I was about to leave the anime depending on how this scene was going to go because in the scene the guy was like oh you're going to need to give me everything you can give me and I was like no this can't no don't do this like no because the show talks about like I don't know there's this happens a lot in this show and this is something that I don't necessarily like but the show you know a lot of the female characters in the show use their bodies to 
to sort of gain things, right? Like in the beginning, I forgot her name now. The the blonde lady. What was her name? She's part of um, Bozes. Yeah, Bozes. Yeah, she was willing to to use her body because you know Pena said you need to go in here and make things right for basically beating Tommy's ass, and she was gonna go in there and have sex with him. It, exactly, and even even Pina, and I know this isn't in but the anime. That's, but that's the gonna... world that they're from, though. But that's what I'm saying. Like, why is sex the answer to everything? I, I don't I get mean, it. Look at I it. Look at it don't. when compared to something like Game of Thrones. You know, it's that same aspect. But I was thinking what was going to happen because when when the guy was like, "Oh, you're going to need to give me some. You're going to need to give me everything," and I'm like, "What the hell does this girl got to give you?" And then I was like, "No, this can't be. Let's let's just end it there." You know what I mean? Because if that was going to happen, I I would have I would have jumped out. No, and I would have jumped ship. And hundred percent. Honestly, I don't think he was going that route with her i think he just literally meant like because he could tell that she was you know basically a, a rich girl so he was he could also see that she had more pearls than what she was offering him i hope that was the case because literally i would have i would have jumped shot. i don't think that was the case at all with this one i think you're a little off with that one i will say something about this show like like i don't understand why sex is like everything i i don't understand it like i get it like they use it as like a tool and probably back then you know you, actually you know what that is a very interesting point now that i think about it you know back in the day when you have michael and geisha like it kind of feels like that in a way i know it sounds really weird but you know no i get it when you when you have like boses and things like that and i'm like oh okay that, it makes sense but there's one thing like i don't i just don't get it it's just it, sometimes it just feels like it's there to fulfill like a certain fantasy that people might have i'm like dude like it doesn't see it seems very out of place in the show do you know what i mean i don't i don't see that like i said i keep going back to it like you have to kind of think about you know the world that they're that they're from and i think you know in general audiences need to learn to kind of like separate their own moralities from something that is especially in a fantasy setting you know no i understand that but i'm like i talk with people about it you know online when these kind of you know discussions come up like one of my favorite uh, novel series is a, is a fantasy series and there's you know there's prostitution there's rape there's you know women using their bodies and things like that but at the same time it's that also shows the 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 other aspect of it where like you know as men are kind of simple creatures at times and that's all that they care about they're willing to give the world for a little piece of booty you know what i mean so it, it really does show both sides I, I understand how people can kind of think that it's kind of like a derogatory or mis you know misnomer towards you know females but at the same time it also is towards males if you look at it from that aspect one one other thing that i have to say about sherry is like she knew kind of what she was doing in in a sense because you know initially she was saying oh you know that you know he's my that, that um sugawara is is her future husband right she kept on saying she kept on saying and i didn't un understand initially and i thought okay maybe it's because of the crush but then towards the end you know when she's sort of trying to get into the embassy she's using it on on her own terms because she knows that she and i i genuinely believe that she knows that you know they can't let her in without a reason you know what i mean because sugawara mentions right that if i let one in i'm gonna have to let all of them in and i can't so she's sort of playing on that and she's like well you know she's trying to find a loophole that you know if i'm engaged to this guy i could probably get some you know lodging and stay there well it's not just that but 
she literally knew that like if like just like you know her parents had sacrificed themselves that if she didn't get them in there that they they were going to be executed they were trying to take that take out that entire line of people that were you know standing up to what you know uh zorzel and initially the emperor wanted to do so like she was like it was her last desperation and the funny thing is right that even after and this is what i like about sherry that even after you know sugo sugawara you know brought her in and said you know whatever he's you know after sugawara had accepted her and brought her in he was trying to shun her away from the from you know all the death and destruction and she and this is what impressed me because it was a very adult thing to say she was like well i caused this so i should watch this no it was yeah it's super strong scene super strong yeah, very strong and um, it makes me think that you know she's confronting and it's mentioned right she's confronting her sin as the anime sort of phrases it and how many of us you know when we've done something wrong how many of us actually confront the consequences and actually take try to understand and that's what she's trying to do she's learning she's trying to understand yes it is very brutal it's very you know destructive in a sense but she saw her parents die right before that so you know you know she's i think she's sort of in in some sense a little bit desensitized and she's trying to understand she's trying to cope with it and she's trying to figure out you know what her you know and come to terms with what her actions have you know made of the situation which is very i mean even i don't think like that you know what i mean and i'm an adult you know I'm, uh, do you see what i'm saying so for a 12 year old child to think like that it's very impressive and that's why i think you know w another thing that i really like about you know about this series and its narrative is that you have a case just like in real life how i said both like you know sherry and lele are wise beyond their years but then it does also there's a you know a couple other like you know like younger people that you see in the series and fleeting glimpses that are just like you know normal kids running around being stupid but then it also shows how like there's adults that are stupid like and that's why i like the scene going back to where they go to the to the diet and rory calls um oh i'm trying to remember her name now i think it's like uh mizuki uh i think was her name where like she's the one like trying to call out the sdf and she's like you little girl because to her she is a little girl even though she is an adult it's still that 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 um what's the word i want to like not mindset but just the the whole idea that you know maturity and you know being intelligent and you know having these experiences life it doesn't really matter how old or young you are it depends upon how you're you're putting yourself out in the world and if you're deciding to learn like you said from mistakes learn from things that you might have caused that whole you know cause and effect of life you've been talking about you know characters you like both you know main and side characters and we've kind of had a little back and forth here and everything is there anything else specifically that you want to talk about with characters before i get into mine no not really okay of, of course like i love you know the, all the main cast you know Tommy, rory lele tuka uh and like I, I put even with them even though she's not technically part of their crew uh pina colada up there and like i keep saying it's one of the reasons that i really want to read more of the books um because i know that you know pina is actually involved quite a bit more now of course you know R rory's my girl i guess you could say she's you know there there I, I don't this isn't the type of series we're gonna be like oh there's a best girl you know what i mean but you know she's my favorite character in the show one she's voiced by you know my favorite you know japanese voice actress risa taneda so like i already love her from that but also just i think her voice acting in the role is so what's the word i don't want to say raw but like it's just 
it just fits. It just uh, the the way that she 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 presents the character both in those slower times and in those emotional times. Like she's, and I don't want to say it's 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 overacting because that would kind of be like you know a bad thing to say. But like especially the scene where she's like coming on to Itami when they're at the end and just her like vocal nuances and like trying to be sultry. I don't know. It's just I think she just does a really good job with that. Um, and uh, of course, I love seeing the fighting scenes with Rory as well, and I love how she just jumps in, goes no holds barred, but then you do actually eventually still see some vulnerability with her, like when she does get knocked down, that it's like, wow, she can't actually be hurt. Um, yeah. So, she you knows she kind of has both of those uh, things going for her. You know, we talked about Shino a lot, you know, during during your part of it. I mean, she's one of my favorite characters in the whole show for many reasons, um, and I, it's one thing that I think that this show does really really well just think about how many females are actually involved throughout this entire show both the good and the bad um and like you know talking about like uh, tule where you know when you're first introduced to her you just see her as this broken sex slave but then behind the scenes you know behind closed doors and all that type of stuff you really are shown that even though she's kind of broken as i said earlier she's actually super smart too and how she's kind of controlling everything as well when we're talking about like you know like how you said i hate zorzel i do too i think it's along that lines but i'm also going to say that i kind of disliked tule because she had opportunities to actually try to make things better but she did it she kept pushing towards things becoming potentially the worst possible outcome her motivation is to have the worst possible outcome she was never in for it to make this the city a better place i'm just saying that you know she she had the opportunity and she, she like with her kind of like um support the network question is well why would she want the better outcome why would she want to fight for that when she wants the you know the worst outcome possible to make zorzo look like a fool i don't think that's fair to to say that you know you dislike her because there was an opportunity that she could have gone for a better outcome when in reality that was never what she wanted i mean and that's what i said earlier she used that character that she wants to to watch the world burn i'm just saying like you know again you know my you know talking about separating you know morality from the story i just looking at it from the point of like if she actually knew what like the jsdf were trying to do and trying to make the world a better place i think she'd be trying to help them she could do both she could take down the empire while also making the world a better place for others but she just wanted everything to burn but why would she want that that's the point she doesn't want that because you know making the world burn isn't going to take away from her you know i mean helping helping the the, the empire re you know regrow under a new government or whatever isn't going to take her pain away i see what you're saying it's it's in the same vein it's in the same vein as as the show when they mention when they go to the doctor and they talk about revenge and they talk about you know is killing the dragon gonna make tuka feel better right in the same fashion with that same theme of revenge at least with um thule you know she's gonna feel as though taking burning everything down to the ground is gonna make her feel better and you see 
at the end when she's crying and I, I still think that cry is a tear of joy on her part. It's just my own naivete, if you want to want to say that, where, you know, I, I, I still think that like, ah, what's, you know, it's, it's going to come off just sounding, you know, straightforward, but it's a very selfish aspect where it's like, as long as she's getting what she wants, then that's going to satisfy her. When we both know in, in the end, even if she, everything did work out in her favor, it wasn't going to ever be enough. I really would like to see more with the uh, Rose Knights themselves because like how we were talking earlier that they were never kind of taken seriously that you know when Pina Colada put them together with all of her you know female friends that you know no one really even knew how much training they were going through and how much they were working to actually become a legit you know military unit in their world and even how like her own father would just send them off on dumb missions and things like it just so it could put on airs that they were actually doing something but then when you finally get to see them actually take action you know they kind of prove themselves so um i really enjoyed that <laughs> you actually touched on most of the the same characters and stuff that i wanted to talk about and at least i got to feed off that but yeah i think those are just kind of my little addendums that i want want to add add into there but i really think that there's also you know it's it's a double-edged sword as we were saying with the uh, cast of characters this this vast that there's kind of someone in this show for anyone to kind of get behind or get interested in but at the same time it's kind of disheartening when it's like you see a character that you might be interested in and then they don't show up again for three episodes so it's it's you know it it has its moments but overall i think it's a a good cast and everything so um i think that's pretty much it with characters unless there's anything that you wanted to talk about when it comes to like any other things with relationships in the show between you know characters other than you know with uh sherry and akira with her or you know rory and itami were there any other relationships that you were thinking about did you like it when they're showing at the end like all the different like couples pairing up and all the different soldiers you look i hated that i think the reason why they did it was because part of me feels as though they weren't they knew that they weren't getting a second season so they had to put that because that that is what happens in the in the source material right we know this so i feel as though they they put that in there just to tie everything up just because they knew that they weren't going to get a second season and and that disappoints me because part of me wants to see a second season but putting that ending in there it's that sort of cliche happy-go-lucky oh you know i wonder if it's one of those things too where it's kind of like you know too little too late because i still remember as we were talking earlier like when this show was even airing that it went up against so many heavy hitters that you know came out around the same time as it that like it just kind of got held back from that and i remember i was tracking like the different sales numbers and stuff like that and it was hanging around the top 10 in the you know dvd blu-ray sales but even if you're just in the top 10 that's really not good as far as japanese studio standards go but it's been a steady seller uh, and the books have been a steady seller but i also think it's one of those things too where it's like um the age group i think like they, they said the average age of the the gate fan is like 28 which is like really old compared to most other anime so uh, that's why I like like you said when they're showing that i understand what you're saying where they didn't think they were going to get a season two uh, like i i really still am hoping that someday they get around to another season like especially since like how the the books continue on even into naval combat naval combat is something that you know japanese uh, uh anime fans uh, 
or at least really into like I don't know if you ever watched a uh, high school fleet like even though it never got a season two season one you just cannot even find it anywhere because anytime it, it does you know get reprinted and sold it sells out this was a very difficult season for the show to sort of take off because you're going against gangster you're going against overlord because this was the season you know prison school charlotte dragon ball super you had uh, durara uh second arc uh umaru-chan gangsta charlotte uh the current season at that time of lupin the third nanambiori overlord prison school uh school live which was a big hit like it still sells like crazy both in manga and you know anime form uh shimonetta which is kind of a minor hit you also had uh snow white with the red hair which i remember like won some like anime awards when it came out too at least over here i don't know about in the west the other big one that it went kind of head to head against was one punch man part of me thinks that if it aired in a different season it might have done better you see what i'm saying because it's going up against a lot of big hitters and i don't want this to sound derogatory because i will say that i do think that ultimately this is kind of like even though there's so many strong female characters in the show i think ultimately at its core this is a male driven show but another big big show that this went up against you know to kind of like if it even had a chance to get any female viewership was haikyuu they said it just did not come out at a good time so and that's why i said it's been one of those things that it's kind of like i don't want to call it a cult classic because that's not a fair analogy on either point but that's kind of like that same mindset where it was something that came out that was kind of like good enough where it developed a fan base but it's developed many more fans since then like i've seen um here not just not that long ago where there was an anime called hina matsuri i don't know if you'd ever seen that one that when it when it aired it like died it was like dead on arrival and for me it was actually like my anime of the year when it came out or at least of that season it was amazing and since then even though it's like officially been killed they're like no there's no chance of this ever getting another season both the source material and the anime itself again sell like crazy but it's just never going to get a second season because it did so bad when it aired it's very very frustrating it tends to be the case i mean there's so many other shows that I'll, I'll be honest with you that I'm like oh I would love a second season but y y sometimes you gotta think about it like realistically and you're like okay this show's not gonna get another season but I mean I think I've already mentioned my thoughts on do I want to see a second season to I jumped the gun a little bit but I will reveal whether or not I do want to see a second season in a bit All right but what did you think about the audio visual components because for me i don't really have much to say about the the music but for me i keep on saying this every episode of kunai i say this 3d animation if it's good 3d animation you don't notice it and i will tell you there is a lot of 3d animation in this show the tanks the buildings you know the, the fighter jets even the guns and those um first person shooter scenes but the way they and this is a very smart way of of sort of covering the fact that it's 3d the way that they cover it is that they add this texture and and this is a lovely texture that i used to use when i was studying architecture it's in 3ds max there's a texture called ink and paint yeah which basically looks like i was wondering what drawn. that was called so like for me coming you know from the whole gamer aspect i kept thinking of it as like like cell shaded like you know like the old like jet set radio games that's how i kept yeah kind of like thinking it's like it's one of those things where it's like it's 3d animation but it still has that kind of hand-drawn feel about it and that's why like a lot of shows when they do the 3d part how you said how it just it's jarring how it stands out and this is one of those series where like i said the show coming from 2015 and technology at the time you can tell but it's just done so much better than even shows that are coming out 
now that use it. That's the thing. And even if you compare it to other shows at the time, because Overlord aired at the same time, and, and you know, we know how bad Overlord's 3D animation is, uh, you know, with uh, Momonga and the army of uh, skeletons. Uh, I don't want to mention it again, but I keep on mentioning it because it is such a prevalent point. That was airing at the same time as this, and yet it was done well because they were hiding the fact that it was 3D with that texture. I still remember back when I was watching this show and I was like so hyped about it. And I was talking about it everywhere. Like one of the anime friends I had at the time, he kept giving me so much shit about the 3D animation. I'm like, what are you talking about? It looks great. And then like at the same time, it's like he's a big Berserk fan and he d he won't even talk about Berserk 2016. But yeah, in, in regards to the animation, like that's what I, I quite enjoyed. The art style, I could tell from the beginning that this was A1 pictures. It looks like Sword Art and that disappoints me a little bit because it's like characters look exactly like characters in Sword Art. And I'm like, no, I don't want to see this. And the funny thing is, if you look at everything else by A1 Pictures, there's things by A1 Pictures that don't look like that. Like, you know, Oremo, for example, doesn't look like this. So it's like A1 Pictures can do stuff that like, I don't know, that doesn't look like that. You know what I mean? Like Persona doesn't look like that. And Erase doesn't look like that. And, you know, Blend S maybe doesn't look like that. Or even Watakoi. It's like, why would they make it look like Soda? It just threw me off a little bit. Now, I'm wondering though, because the guy who was actually like the, the ADR on this show, like he's got a decent pedigree where he He's worked on stuff like Gintama, the Fate series, you know, Denmachi. So it's like, I'm wondering if, if he might have had an influence on that as well. Or I'm wondering if like what other staff they might have to look into it more to see like who decided to change the art. So because I will say that, you know, I don't want to call it a gripe or a grumble, as you say, because I actually enjoy the art style in the show. But it is actually different from the books, too. Like, for instance, like, for instance, like, like Rory, her like goth Lolita, you know, a Tire in the books is much more grandiose like it's it's a lot like Shaltiers actually how yeah, you kind of brought that up earlier and things like that uh, also things when they have like some of the other like demigods and the dark elves that you know but at the same time I kind of understand that like uh, from a an animation and production aspect when much of the show is much more traditional 2d style there's not as much like of the, the computer influence in this that just from a time aspect they kind of needed to simplify things like also like i said with with pina colada her clothes are actually much uh different much more different in the books as well in the in the rose knights they actually wear a lot more armor so i kind of get it from a production standpoint but it is it's you know it's a mixed bag that's the easiest way i can say it it's a mixed bag yeah it is it's genuinely a mixed bag considering i mean the different art styles that a1 pictures can do like it felt a bit of a disappointment to me like i was expecting not like i was expecting more but it was just just a bit too cutesy for me. Well, I would say, I mean, and I was going to say that's kind of like the opposite with me because how I said, like, I don't really like a lot of super dark shows and series and you know even though there's some manga that i do get into it's a lot different going from like a black and white page to into colorful animation and i actually enjoyed how kind of bright and colorful overall this show was to me it was like it made it easier to watch if that makes sense but you see what i'm saying like there's a lot of similarities between the way sword art is drawn and the way sword art has their characters designed to this show and it's like it feels a bit lazy to me i wouldn't say it lazy as it's maybe more like comfortable 
familiar. And like, yeah, okay. uh, like I said, and, and then I do know that there's some people that uh, worked on Gate that this was also their first anime as well. I don't know how else to describe it. Like I said, you know, it's, it's easy to say it's a double-edged sword. There's things I like about it, things I don't like about it, but I still overall enjoy the, the overall aesthetics of it. I mean, of course, just like with any anime, as you go back and you look deeper into things, you can catch, you know, little oddities, little mistakes here and there, you know, especially like, you know, characters and faces off in the distance. Uh, there's a few shots that I remember seeing where it's like, oh, you can clearly tell that's just a whole bunch of, you know, CGI clones of the same character, you know, and like some of the bigger like battle scenes, stuff like that. But at the same time, it's not enough like that's totally gross and, and jarring like you know i look at it as compared to something like um you know lord of the rings that's now you know over over 20 years old and some of the the big battles that i've seen in that it's like now i mean it's still aged supremely well but when you really are painting it's like oh that's a whole bunch of cgi dudes okay i can tell now but it's not a, it's not a good thing it's not a bad thing it's just things that you know you notice now that's kind of like talking about like character designs i guess we, we got on that it's like um what did you think though of like when when they actually showed like the attire of the different characters both you know from the military aspect and from the fantasy aspect the way they actually had them dressed and clothed what did you think about that it wasn't that impressive either i mean i'll be real with you like it wasn't like i don't know it just everything just seemed to blend together if that makes sense no i think for me is that it seemed very typical now of course there's only so much you can do with military garb you know so i mean military clothing is what it is but i will say from the fantasy aspect i kind of you know i would have liked to have seen a little bit more variety there but at the same time it was still you could tell okay this is very fantasy world-esque you know it was yeah but I, I would have expected a bit more from it because you know it's fantasy you could go all out crazy and and the fact that you mentioned the source material especially with uh rory that you have her costume uh, resembling more you know someone like shaltier from from overlord that's kind of what i was expecting when i first heard uh rory's character right and i'm thinking okay how come her voice is not her voice isn't matching her costume that much because the goth lolita style that she has here is is, is more like the sort of cosplay goth lolita if that yeah. makes sense no absolutely you know like that sort of shinjuku style I, I would say i i kind of think that that was kind of by by design as well too like how if you notice in the show they put a lot of emphasis on showing like you know like her garters and stockings and things like that whereas like in the books you only really see that you know while she's fighting whereas like it's kind of like one of her character traits in the anime and there's other little changes things like like to me i always thought in the anime that lele's hair you know to me it just looks very blue when it's supposed to be silver like it's little things like like that but like i said for me the, the funny thing is they mentioned it in the show as being platinum blonde that is supposed to i be don't remember that part interesting yes yeah, so because yeah, i know i know in the books it's supposed to be silver but maybe maybe that's a subtitling thing i don't know i can't really say but like i said it's just little things like that i mean we're kind of getting into nitpicky territory i think you know with that now what about like you were talking with with the sound design earlier how where you were talking about the uh, the guns and the military thing that you were wondering if they used actual like recordings of real firearms stuff like that. what else did you notice anything else about the the sound itself not really i mean like okay they, they had the flight of the valkyries and, and stuff like that but the sound just seemed like they went to a firing range or they went to a military base and they just i don't know they they just recorded fire practice you know what i mean like target practice that kind of stuff or like the sound of jets 
it's very accurate. I mean, even the way that they get the, the radio sounds, like, you know, the communications. I love the communications in this when it comes to the military side of it and them using correct military terminology call signs. So, yeah, now a lot of it is repetitive, but if you know anything about comms in the military, that's how it is. Yeah, I, I look, I can't fault it for that. It just, it seems really weird in Japanese. I don't know why. It just, it just, I don't know. I'm probably, I'm used to playing like Call of Duty and like Modern Warfare, you know, when they're like tango two one you know like those kind of like you know, do you know what i mean right i think it's just uh i think it's also more of a like a japanese aspect to a lot of times that if they're using terminology from like english for instance in this type of aspect they're much more direct and precise with it so i think that's also why you're kind of getting those little nuanced differences between hearing it and natural english versus japanese but I, I don't know i'm just anything to do with military like call signs and like directions and things like that i don't know when you're playing modern warfare 2 and you're in the ac-130 and you're like just i don't know when you're raining hell from above and they're like hunter 2-1 that's five confirmed kills like you know like that kind of stuff like it, it happens in the show as well but it, i don't get the same effect i don't get the same vibe I don't know if you picked up on it, but one of the things that I also appreciated from a military aspect is how it had like delays in some of the sounds and effects too, especially with like explosions. Like when they were firing the tanks, you would see the tank firing, hear that immediate, you know, like recoil and explosion from like the shells being fired off. But then there would be that delay from impact to actually hearing the explosions and things like that. Like that, I'm kind of really into that type of stuff because that's how it really does happen. And, um, there's a lot of shows where it has stuff like that that like it's like instantaneous it doesn't go that far with you know one thing that i will mention is that yeah you talk realism in terms of sounds but one thing i did mention is that you never see anyone reloading what is that about they're just i'm sitting like... here thinking i'm sitting here thinking like do you really maybe a couple times i know there's times they showed it like with the pistols maybe but i don't yeah. yeah i don't remember them ever seeing it with like their primary firearms you're, you're right maybe a timing thing maybe a thing where they were trying to do that on purpose to cut down on animation possibly but it's like you you just see a, a, re a like a shit ton of bullets and it's just like well where are they reloading and how come they're shooting so fast when they they're basically they're for, they're not using like fully automatic weapons they're using like you know maybe at, at most a three burst rifle like it's not that the rate of fire is slow so how the hell are they shooting that many bullets at once like i don't get it what about like with sounds from the more like kind of uh like uh, the fantasy side of it with like their their armor and the the shields and swords and things like that i don't know i mean they're, they're pretty generic sounds you know yeah they, they sound i don't want to say they sounded muted but they obviously didn't stand out but i think it's by design because they were really trying to yeah, emphasize 100%. they're trying to emphasize just how much more powerful you know our modern day technology is versus what these guys were doing the sounds when the bullets go through the shield like it makes like this little crumpling sound mm -hmm. and, it, and it makes me think like these shields are, are they like shitty like are they like aluminium like what like it just goes to show how impactful these bullets are i think it does put a little bit of a knock on the military you know armaments there a bit because they're really the not the armor but the shields themselves should have stopped a few shots not every shot should have gone straight through the shields i think how many times do we see where guys will like use a piece of iron or like a cop will get shot and it'll magically hit his badge and it stops the badge you know what i mean these are still big heavy metal shields they should have stopped some of these shots 
I don't think they are heavy metal. I think they're they're like Roman style shields, which were quite light. Uh, so you think that you know, because because uh, I've actually looked a little bit in, into that with like Roman ones, even though a lot of times they had like metal plating on them, they were still kind of like a wood base. So that might be part of it too. Because like the way that they're drawn in the show, I keep thinking that they're like big old iron shield, but that might be more the aspect of it. But the funny thing is, right? If they were like the Roman shields, where it's like you know metal plated, right, and it's just the wood behind it. I don't think it's the case because when when you see the bullets go through them you get that detail you know when you when you shoot a bullet through some sheet metal you can see the entry and exit point so like i said that's just me being a, a little little bit you know nitpicky you know now that i've now watched the show for like a fourth time <laughs> so now one thing i did like though is when there were some like kind of quieter scenes but then it would show some of like the knights you know like the rose knights you know pina colada like walking around you could hear like the clinking and clanking of their armor that I really enjoyed. I don't know if you can call maybe call that an ASMR aspect. It's just a sound that I really enjoy in general. Or like I love it in like westerns when you can hear like spurs when someone's walking, things like that. So I think they did a good job with that. Now uh what about anything like with music to be honest with you i will say this the the endings were jarring yeah they're what so they're like, so poppy it's yeah why like, like, i people just died in this episode i like, really don't know i have asked that since the very first time i saw the show i still enjoy them it's just being fun songs <laughs> but they just feel really really out of place now i will say i i actually bought the soundtrack for gate because of the actual fantasy music it's weird because in during the airing of the show i didn't really notice it a whole lot except during like times when they were fighting the dragon like especially the first time when they fought the dragon like i i noticed it then but like during the airing of the show i think it was more like just background but like since i bought you know the actual soundtrack cd because i actually like fantasy music in general there's some good good fantasy like high fantasy music there that you could put along like when you're like if you're like playing DD or playing another fantasy game type stuff that goes with that but during the actual airing there's it wasn't much to really talk about which is really weird to me the music wasn't that impressive like you know sometimes you when don't really notice it that's the you thing you don't notice yeah. it which unlike the 3d animation it's not it's not a good thing when you don't notice the music you right like whether it's 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 times of calm times or times of tension you didn't really notice a whole lot like i was wanting to like hear it more like when they were in the towns and the cities like you thought you you know how like when you watch a fantasy movie you almost always hear like a bard playing or you hear like someone playing like a like a flute or something like it didn't really get any of that in this show which i thought was really weird like especially when they had the the nice big town popping up around the military base i thought for sure you would have heard more of it then but you really don't it's there but it's too far in the background if that makes sense now that being said though i absolutely love the opening song for you know both cores of the show you know i'm a little bit biased there because um kishida kyoden and the akaboshi rockets are actually one of my favorite j-pop rock bands so i got into them after the first season of strike the blood they did the opening for that but they've also done like uh, high school of the dead maria the virgin witch i mean they've done songs for so many different anime um and i absolutely love both of their opening songs to gate i don't know if you're you're, you're a rock guy or you know j-pop or anything like that either but like i said i mean the music wasn't impressive for me um it's not something that i'm gonna go on spotify or on apple podcasts uh sorry on apple itunes and download the album for it's like it's not i don't know man i thought i thought at least with with the, the very first you know 
opening song and music i i love the whole setup where it just shows like the characters flying by the high energy you know it shows them like uh, the, the character themselves and then something that they're doing in the background i just i love the whole design of it and then the big g-a-t-e flashing by uh, I, I still to this day i love it anyway what 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 about like voice acting or anything like that how do you think they do like i touched on you know risa tomato like i absolutely love her but is there anything that you wanted to say about any of the voices like i have not watched uh, any of the dubs of this i've only ever watched it so um i haven't seen the dubs either but to be honest with you the voices didn't really pop out to me like they were good but they weren't like i don't know they were pretty like generic anime voices if i may say that yeah and i think that might be too because i think uh that like Heather said how they had a lot of uh, kind of like newcomers to actual animation itself come in they actually had a lot of newcomers come in with the voice acting on this show as well which I think is personally a a good thing i think that's one of the reasons why like comparing it to something like the original star wars movies one of the things that stood out about that is that at the time most of the people that acted in star wars were nobodies they weren't really known by anybody or they were in smaller productions now of course like some of these voice actors like since gate have gone on to be in bigger roles and things like that so it was kind of like a kickoff for some of them you know so for instance like um like uh, Yoji, he is also um, uh, Eraserhead in Boku no Hero. Oh, okay. All right, cool. So, like I said, so a lot of them have gone on to do different things. And then, you, like, of course, you've got now Toyama. She was actually the voice of Lele, which she's been in so many different shows. And, of course, she's also in Grand Blue Fantasy, which I play. So it's really nice to, to see her in that. Like I said, it's kind of a mixed bag overall. I know I keep bringing that up a lot, but I think overall that kind of represents the show itself like as much as i love it i can also acknowledge you know its various flaws and things like that as well and then we already talked about you know our sound design i guess we can just go right into like what was your overall opinion of the show would you recommend it and would you want to see another season of it in terms of seeing a second season i would say no and the reason being is because the show ends in such a way where it ties everything together right like i was thinking originally when the emperor says to pina i'm gonna make you the crown princess i was thinking yes definitely we're gonna get a second season you know or or even obviously just aired in 2015 so we didn't get a second season but i was hoping for a second season when watching it and i'll be like you know what it would be cool to see what happens afterwards because there's still going to be that conflict it's basically a conflict between two families and i wonder how all the different governments are going to get involved because we get hinted at towards the end that you know, the Japanese government had invited, you know, governments from around the world and, and, you know, military leaders from around the world to go and visit and see. So it might be the case, you know, I was thinking in my head, oh, so what if you get one country siding with, you know, like this is what I was thinking. Like, imagine you get China siding with, you know, one particular ruler in the, the land beyond the gate. And then you have Japan siding with another one. And these countries basically, so the countries on Earth basically plan out their wars, not on Earth and inside the gate if that makes sense like i was thinking that and i wanted to see that and and apparently that's what actually happens in the in the novels right so that is something that i wanted to see but the fact that they ended it with the stupid thing i fucking hate it in anime when they do this when they just give everything a good ending like when they were showing off oh these are the people that everyone you know ends up getting with and i hate that shit i like it normally but it basically kills the the need for a second season because you're wrapping it up 
it, it felt to me as though they knew that they weren't getting a second season and that disappoints me, you know? I don't like that. I would have rather they they end it at the point where they were talking about the dad, the, when, when the emperor was saying to Pina, look, it's your choice. Do you want this or do you want that? You know, to end it with such a happy-go-lucky thing makes me feel that they needed to do that just so they can tie loose ends. And I know that's what happens in, in the novels, right? I get that. But the way they presented it to us seems very cliche, seems very rom-com. You know, like at the end of a rom-com when everything is like, oh, everyone lives happily ever after but we know for a fact that it doesn't because it's revealed to us in the show that you know more war is about to come all right so with your now like kind of negative negative thinking on that i'm not meaning that in a bad way that's just you know your your opinion of how they 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 ended up you know uh what, what about your overall opinion on the anime like did you like it did Look, you not I, like I it love the, no no i love the show i i hundred percent i love the show and i think it's worth a watch it's one of those cases like before. it was good but it could have been so much better. No, it's not even about being good or, or being so much better. I just didn't like the way that it ended because gotcha. it's sort of, it stole from us the second season, if that makes sense. I, I wanted a second season. I would love a second season, right? But the fact that they removed it from us sort of puts a bad taste in my mouth. And for, for those that, you know, in terms of would I recommend it, 100%, yeah, I, I would say watch this show if you're really into sort of political dramas or military dramas or fantasy shows. Like if you're into gamers, thrones and you want to get into anime maybe this is might be something for you right it's got everything that you would want right especially for a lot of newcomers i know it sounds a bit weird but for a lot of newcomers it's got the modernization right but at the same time it's got fantasy it's got comedy it's got politics it's got drama it's got everything it's got all the building blocks that make a good show, right? Like I could imagine this show getting a lot, like for example, if it wasn't, if it never got an anime adaptation and it got like a Netflix series, I can imagine something like this being the next Game of Thrones or the next Breaking Bad or the next Walking Dead. Do you see what I mean? Like those long running series that are backed by the drama, the relationships, the, the overarching story that kind of stuff so it is a great show and i think you guys need to give it a try man totally stealing my thunder with a lot of those analogies man you've been hitting on it today so um like i mean i've i've thought the same thing for for a long time so i guess i'll just go go straight into it so straight up would i want another season of it i'm going to disagree with you here and say yes i absolutely would because even though like you said it kind of stole the second season it kind of wrapped everything up in a in a little bit of a bow it still did actually show us that there was more so like it shows there at the end where you know again itami's just trying to go basically to like comic cats basically he's trying to go he just wants to get his doujinshi and everything and you know he's back there with the girls back in japan you know where he you know runs into you know rory and and and, and tuka and lele and then uh all of a sudden you know a police car comes and says hey you got to go with us and like as they're going by you know Atami's you know ex-wife sees him in the car she's like hey and then Atami just starts crying he's like I just want to get my books you know so it's like they're going off on another adventure but sadly we never get to see that so yes I want to I want the second season I want more I want everything that I can possibly get from gate and then some um so just like you my overall opinion of the anime obviously that I love it I tell people all the time like it's definitely like in my top 15 anime period like my you know and I base things more on like a personal thing versus like you know merits of like accolades awards animation for me it's like you know just what I have gut feelings about things like I mean it's it's on the verge of maybe even being like 
top 10. I mean, and I talk about this show all the time because of how much I love it. And like how you said, I think it really is one of those shows that does have a lot to offer any anime fan. I think like you, it'd be good for like someone that's like wanting to get into anime, but they're wanting something that's maybe not as mainstream. They want something that's got a little bit of taste to everything from all the different characters it's got, from the different settings that it's got, from the fantasy, from the real world. You know, it's set in modern day, yet also in a fantasy world. I think that it really does have a lot to offer any type of anime fan. Um, I love how it deals with action. It deals with comedy. It deals with romance. It deals with espionage. It really has a little bit of everything rolled into one, which can be a bad thing at times, but I still think that ultimately the show pulls off a lot of it, even though it does have quite a few little plot holes here and there and like I said and I recommend it to everybody people you know I have people that know I'm a big anime geek that you know hit me up on like you know Facebook and stuff like that and they're like you know hey like I just watched this what do you recommend if it has any kind of tie I can see with gate I'm like go watch gate do it now so yeah that's the long and short of that so do you have anything else that you want to want to bring up no to be honest with you I mean not really i i personally i really enjoyed the show and part of me wants to kind of go into it further because i don't want to bring up the sword art thing again but i'm going to when i was in uni i wrote my dissertation about sword art online and once again i studied architecture but i i focused on sword art online for one of my essays and my dissertation i did another dissertation on japanese history and like like war military history and stuff once again studied architecture why am i writing about japanese military history but it was about castles and stuff but that's not the point but part of me wants to write like an essay about this show and, and like go into it deeper and, and sort of explore the themes of you know past japan in terms of military and and like modern day japan if that makes sense because we mentioned it in the episode but part of me wants to delve in deeper and it's like i wouldn't be saying that if i didn't love this show you know what i mean i wouldn't spend so much time on that if i didn't love this show and that's pretty much all i've got to say about it it's a great show I'm so hungry for more gate content that like it, it just it pains me that you can't even you know get it in print officially in English except for like the first two volumes of the manga and that's like it like when I first came to Japan I bought the first three volumes of the manga in Japanese because I'm like okay I'm studying Japanese so I'm going to use this as a tool as part of my practice and learning but it's actually a really difficult read like even like because I'm having to take my time going back and forth translating different things because like you said this when I first moved to Japan and my like Japanese was you know like nil <laughs> and uh, it took me so long to get through that because it there's actually it's very dialogue heavy even in the manga and things like that so it's like there's so much content that's potentially there I just I need more I want more the thing is I mean if you wanted to read it you could you can read the novels I mean the novels are translated so I mean that is the source material but I, I mean it's different I mean it's different than no I definitely I'm I'm going to as as we were talking you know b before the show I'm definitely going to start reading the novels here too like uh like recently i fell in love with uh, mushuko tensei like i love that show so then i'm like well you know what uh let me give the manga a try i read the first volume of the manga and there's still something missing so everyone i've talked to says you've got to read the books you got to read the book so i'm definitely going to get into that one as well thanks will for coming on this episode of kunai you know i enjoy it thank you guys for listening and also big thanks to our sponsors and if you want to suggest a uh, anime for us to watch on kunai please 
join our discord page if you go to getalifepodcast.com forward slash discord join in on the fun join in on the conversation because we really want to have anime conversations with you guys that's the whole point of kunai we want to grow as a community and you know explore new anime together so be sure to do that but also like i mentioned big thanks to our sponsors and you might be wondering what is the next episode of kunai i actually haven't decided yet because i was thinking it was going to be um something but now i'm changing my mind it's going to be something else so be back for a surprise episode of kunai i don't even know what it's going to be but i am very intrigued yeah even will doesn't know what i'm changing it to. yeah this is all new to me yeah it's completely new i'm gonna tell will after the recording so uh that being said bye later